Welcome to the Faith Renewed Podcast. I'm Pastor Terry Rogers, and I want to thank you for listening to this message. If you want to learn more about Faith Renewed, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. You look so good this morning. Turn around and tell your neighbor, say, you look nice today. Would you tell them that? Come on, I'm helping some people out. You look nice today. So good to see you. I'm excited that you're here. It is an honor, privilege to be able to worship with you this morning. And I just want to say again, thank you for being with us. If this is your first time with us at Faith Renewed, maybe your first time with us if you're a part of our online family, thank you for coming. Thank you for being a part. And we just want to tell you how excited we are that you're here. So Faith Renewed Church, would you let our first time guests know you love them? Come on, make some noise. Amen. Oh, man, it's been a good, good day already, and I'm excited about what the Holy Spirit is going to do through our time together this morning. Uh, before I introduce some uh, very special folks who's going to be a part of our service this morning, I want to mention that 6 a.m. is kicking back off. Prayer is kicking back off tomorrow morning. Amen? So, yeah, yeah, 6 a.m. prayer is kicking back off tomorrow morning. It'll be on Mondays only. So if you want to start your week, if you want to start your day uh, in prayer, we would love it. If you can be a part here, you can join us. If you can join us at home, wherever, again, that may be. But we just, again, uh, just excited. We have seen God do so much. Come on, we've seen him do so much through prayer. And I just know, again, he's calling us to continue on in this. So, again, I'd love to have you here. I'd love to see your smiling face at 6 a.m. with eye boogers in your eyes still, and you rubbing that stuff. I know how that works. So it's, but you know what I'm talking about. But just come on, man. If you can make it, it's going to be a good time. If you need to leave early, not, we're not holding you captive for an hour. But if you can hang out from 6 to 7, that'll be prayer time. And uh, after that, again, you can leave and get on about your day. But again, love to have you be a part of that. Amen. Well, if you do this, look back to this back wall right back here to, to your whatever, wherever you're at, I guess. Your left, your right, wherever you're at. If you notice that it says Faith Missions, um, I don't know if they're in here. I believe they're probably both serving today, but Sean Carpenter and Amy Carpenter helped make that happen. So if you see those guys, let them know. Yeah, it looks incredible. I was like, hey, let's do like a billboard. Looks like a little bulletin board with some pictures on it. And they did that, man. So yeah, just, they were exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or imagine. They were imagined. So, so incredible. But um, that's highlighting some, uh, again, very special people um, who are part of what, you know, again, God has called us to do. And that's to share Jesus outside these walls. Amen. And so uh, we talked about last week enlarging our territory and, and taking over places. And sometimes that happens through sending others into those places. And so today we're going to be sharing and having some folks with us this morning share from two of the places that you guys have carried Jesus into. And uh, so I'm going to introduce both couples and they're going to be ministering back to back as far as today. And we just I told them both, just let the Holy Spirit lead. Let him just just share what he's put on your heart. And it's just going to be a good time together. So, uh, but first of all, I want, to, I want them to stand so you know who I'm talking about. Mike and Maylin, first of all, Papadopoulos says, would you let them know you love them? Come on, show them some faith and new love. Amen. Show them some real faith and new love. Thank you so much. From the Philippines, have been ministering there for how many years now? 12 years in the Philippines. And so, again, have started some great works. I'm not going to talk about it too much. But Zachary and Bailey Holder, if you would stand up as well. Come on, show some love. Amen. So cool. They've been doing good work in Cambodia. And uh, the Lord's taking them to Southeast Asia, some different places. And uh, they'll let them talk about some of those things. But I just want to say thank you guys for being here today. Um, one of the things I, I told you guys um, is that we don't take time and pause a lot to so that you know that what you're giving is doing. And um, because we just come in here and go after God, and you guys give, and it's just awesome. And so, but I do want to take time to celebrate what God's doing. Also, again, just share the, what, what is happening around the world because you're giving. And so, again, I'm excited today to have both of these guys sharing and ministering. And so, there's going to be a video first before Mike and Melan come up. So, if you would, just turn your attention to the screen. I want to thank you so much, Pastor Terry and Faith Renewed. This is really you guys. Uh, a lot of it is you guys. And I just want to thank God for, for all of you that, that, you know, it's, it's so good sometimes to just see where your money is going. You know, sometimes we give and we don't really give a second thought. We just give and, oh, well, it goes somewhere. I, I hope it goes somewhere good. And I hope that you get to see a little bit of a picture here of where your, your money is going when you give to the missions. Uh, I want to share in particular 
um, about a couple, a very, very special couple, James and Isa Tika. Uh, they're Filipinos. They're Filipino pastors in the Philippines. And I want to share with them, uh, share about them because they, they play an integral role. Uh, a lot of the funds that you give goes to that couple. Um, there's this place called Boys Town uh, in the Philippines, and it's a government-funded, government-run institution. Now, you can imagine when, when I say government-run, uh, what that comes to mind, especially in a third-world poor country. So you can imagine, I mean, it's, it, it's, there's a lot of corruption there, so I, I use that word very loosely when I say government-funded, because it's not very, very well-funded. This is a place where uh, orphans from the street get gathered up throughout Manila, and not all of them, obviously, there would be too many, but the, the ones they can, they send them there. And I guess it's a, at least a place where they can get fed and they have a bed to sleep in, I guess. I mean, it, it's not that great of a place, really. So uh, it's pretty run down. But what happens in the Philippines, similar to other countries, is when a child turns 18, they, they, they're what's called aged out. Now, picture a child that has no mother, no father, was put in an institution with hundreds of other kids, and basically they're, they're made to grow up in that kind of environment. No direction, uh, nothing about God, no, nothing's shared with them about the gospel. And so when they're 18 years old, they're expected to leave that orphanage, to leave that institution and go out. You know, okay, you're 18, go out in life and hope you make a go of it. And so where do they end up? They, they end up in the streets. They end up as drug addicts, delinquents, what have you. And so um, this couple, going back to James and Issa Tika, uh, they, they, uh, we met them through a mutual friend. And um, because of their heart for orphans, uh, we decided to bring them to Boys Town. And so they, they created a relationship with the director there. And they started taking in aged out orphans. Um, one by one, they started taking them into their church, and, and they have a, a home, and they have a church, and so they started bringing them in one by one, until one day, um, this, this uh, place, this institution called them up and said, hey, we have a big batch of aged out kids, boys that are getting ready to age out. They're getting ready to be 18. Do you have a place to take them? And they're like, Okay, sure, we'll take them. And, and uh, by the way, how, how many are we talking about here? Three, four? Uh, actually, about uh, 25. <laughs> and guess what? They said, yes. They opened up their door. And so we were like, you know what? These, these are special people. These are the people that are hands-on. And these are the people that need help. And so I'm going to let my wife share some of the stories of what came out of that. Good morning. Every time I watch that, I still carry a hide and really thank God for his goodness because we know that we can't do that without him and we can't do that without you, without the people that sent us forth there. So um, the way they did, which is I'm so blessed to have this church that partnered with us as well. Uh, in fact, they became also uh, one of our board in, at PWO, uh, Philippines Without Orphans. Um, so what they did, I know that they can't take the, the, the load of the work and everything. What they have done is they encouraged their church uh, for every family to not necessarily adopt them or bring them to their homes, even though they are cared in the church. So they build a place wherein they have dorms in the church. But what they have they have done and still doing is their strategy is they uh, br brought it to their churches and every family has to uh, take care of one child uh, with their emotional, spiritual needs and everything. So, but then they raise funds for their food, lodging and other needs. So that's uh, what we thought that uh, that's very, very uh, needful and necessary and that's where we are sending the funds and and help them out for that. And it doesn't end there. They will continue the Boys Town 
institution will continue year after year to call them up. And our heart's desire is for really other churches to open the same thing because if they have a place where they can uh, give the, endorse the children, they release them. So that's really one of our prayers that other churches will step in. And that's what we've been doing year after year to bring the awareness to churches. And praise the Lord, it's now uh, thriving. And uh, I know people will saying that, okay, you're here now, what's next? The, the work will not stop from there. We can, uh, you know, being here is still, we continue to do orphan care and part, we are still bored of the Philippines without orphans. And at the same token, you know, we, uh, we will probably, we will be the eyes and the ears for them. And then that's what we bring to you guys. And that's, I believe, that's what God wants us to be and do here. Uh, uh, to, in biblically, you know, the word of God is always carry one another's burden and take the load off others if we can unload others' load. So uh, uh, we are really, really grateful. I think the video speaks it all, so we don't have to explain everything. So uh, we just been here and to say thank you and appreciate everything uh, what, what you've been doing and what you've been partnering with us for years. Uh, at the back, Pastor Terry, um, I do have uh, also I'm a part I'm a part of the Second Mothers, which is a, a ministry here in in the states is for adoptive parents, adoptive moms, second moms. And we do have a website also that says Second Mothers. And there's a, a Bible study that is made uh, partly for uh, second moms. And uh, you can go and get one. It's free. If there are, I, I think you have a lot of adoptive families in here, Pastor Terry, I heard, right? And also foster families. And I really, uh, my heart goes for everyone because it's not easy. <laughs> We have our son ourselves, and he's probably out there and making a lot of wild stuff. <laughs> what did I tell you, Pastor Terry, this morning? I said, Pastor Terry, I don't know about our son, but he is just really fascinated of blonde girl. And, you know, if you, if, if you have someone at the, at, the, at the children's church that will keep him busy, and that will really entertain him, and, and he will obey, and he will behave, and he will... You know, uh, it, it, yeah, it's another story of our life, of our journey for, for orphan care. But God's grace is so great, greater than we think of, you know, and he's the one that is really keeping us uh, moving and uh, uh, thriving and loving him. So uh, thank you again, and we won't take more of the time. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, Pastor Terry, thank you so much for letting us be here. Uh, we love you guys. We love this church. We've been here twice now, but I tell Zachary all the time, I'm like, oh, if I was in the States, Faith Renewed is where I would be all the time because I genuinely love this church. Um, but I, was, I was just thinking earlier during worship, you guys got the coolest pastor on this side of yeah. the Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I'm Bailey. This is my husband, Zachary, and we met at the Ramp School of Ministry. We graduated from there in 2017, um, and we've been married for almost six years. This year, six years, so praise God. We have two beautiful little girls. They're Lori Jane and Carolina. They're four and three, and they are wild, so I apologize <laughs> for my children. They're crazy. They're village babies, but... Um, Anyway, so in 2020, Zachary and I, we went on a fast because our life felt like it had almost just plateaued. We had two young daughters. This was right before the pandemic, but it was just, it was like, we're not really praying. We're not attending church at this point. We love the Lord, but there just wasn't any momentum to our life. He was working full time. I was a stay at home mom. And that was about as much as we got going for us at that time. So we looked at each other and like, listen, let's go on a fast together. I don't know for how long, but we just need to fast until 
we feel this funk just lift off of us. And nine days into this fast, I was deep cleaning because I hate fasting. I was going to eat. I was angry. I was in my closet. I was deep cleaning it out, going through everything. And I came across all of our old missions books from the ramp. And I sat in that closet. And it was as if all of the blinders that were just put on me had immediately lifted off. And I heard the same voice that I heard at eight years old say to me, your feet will touch the soil of many nations. And it was, this is what we're supposed to do. This is it. This is the call on our life. Zachary came home from work grumpy. And I said, we're supposed to be missionaries. This is what we have to do. And he's like, I just delivered like 200 packages for Amazon. And I haven't eaten in nine days. Leave me alone. And I'm like, no, this is it. Let's break our fast with Mexican. We're going to the nations. So we did. We went straight to the Mexican restaurant down the street. Um, and through a course of a few days, we started researching organizations and we came across Overland Missions, which is the organization that we're a part of because they are focused around the unreached, they are focused around those who are forgotten, and they cater to families. They send our children on the field, which is huge, it's rare, but our family goes. And it was as if Zach and I were like, <laughs> in this place, in this tension with the Lord, like a bow and an arrow. And immediately when we heard the call again, because it happened multiple times in our life, but we heard the call again when I was in my closet deep cleaning and the Lord just catapulted us into the nations. And since that fast, I, I emphasize it because I know you guys just came off a fast, but our life has truthfully never been the same since that fast. I just feel the joy of the Lord. <laughs> so good. Well, I wanted to share a few testimonies of what's happened since the Lord catapulted us into the nations. Uh, we joined a team in Cambodia. I can say that nation. The next one I cannot. Um, but we joined a team in Cambodia, which borders Thailand, Laos, and, and Vietnam and all these areas. Um, and it's one of the only open countries in that pocket of countries. Wow. Stephanie and Medina, are you here? Oh, hi. Hey. I'm like... My old friends are here. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, but while we were in Cambodia, um, we, we lived in a village in the north of Cambodia, and it was called Chomk San. And our, we had a team in Sraim, and we had a team in Oramianche. Um, and these areas, we lived in that village for six months and didn't bump into another missionary, another white man, another English speaker, another American. If you we went to the, the major cities that were six to nine hours below us, yeah. south of us, there were French people everywhere because it was a French colonization at the time. Um, but when we were in Cambodia, my friend who translates for me, I don't call him a translator, he's part of the team, he's fully funded missionary, uh, gets a little angry if you call him a translator. Uh, he's like, it's not my job. <laughs> so we, we decided to go up to another village that's 45 minutes north of the village that we were living in. And um, I don't know the name of the village, it was a new village development, like just a little boop village right there. And I was like, I don't even know that happened. Um, and so they called it the Golden Triangle where, where Laos, Thailand, and Cambodia all border each other in a triangular shape. And we went up there, and we had planned to just encourage two believers that were in, in the village. There was no church, only two believers, and they knew how to read the Bible, which is a miracle, and it makes no sense. Mm -hmm. It's a wonder mm -hmm. that they live in a village, and they know how to read. Yeah. What? You should, be in the, you should be in Siem Reap with a good job, and you decided to live in the village with your family because God knows why. Mm -hmm. Because we needed them there in that moment, and, yeah. and I'll share what yeah. happened. We get there. I go to, to encourage them. I had my Bible out. They started rainy, re, or singing their songs, and as they're singing their songs on their little lunch break from the cassava fields, the rest of the village, which is about 30 people, come off the cassava fields, hear the singing. And their immediate reaction is not to go eat lunch, but to come and sit under the house that we're sitting at. So I've got 15, 20, 30 people sitting there listening to the music. And I told the Lord, I'm not encouraging anyone today unless I'm encouraging them to, to come into the kingdom of God from darkness to light. And, and in that moment, you're in front of people who are illiterate, don't know how to read, probably never seen the Bible in their life, never gone to church, don't even know that there's, in Cambodia, they don't even know there's a creation. They don't know there's a creator. I'm not, I'm not talking Adam and Eve. I'm talking they have no idea that there was once a time they did not exist and something created that. Have no idea. And so my friend said, you've got 10 minutes. I chuckled in the spirit. <laughs> I said, that is not true. I don't have 10 minutes. 
I said, I asked the Lord, how do I take them from point A to point Z when they don't even know that they're at points? And so I go from Genesis to Daniel 7. Genesis where it all begins. Daniel 7 is talking about a son of man coming on the clouds with all authority and everything answers to him. And then Isaiah that talks about he's anointed uh, to do all these things to, for the brokenhearted and all uh, bring, bring freedom to the captive. And then talk about Jesus being, coming on the scene in, in Matthew. And once I finally get to that point, I finally can tell them why they need it. And I'm sharing this to them. And I say, listen. You can give your lives to Jesus right now. And you are people who believe in ancestral worship. You, you appease these spirits that roam around your village. And if you don't give an offering to them, they, they torment you in night, they give you nightmares, and they make you sick. And those are your ancestors? Absolutely not. My family wouldn't do that to me. Those are demons who have been roaming this region. And if you give your life to Jesus right now, I'm not telling you you're going to have a hoorah and you're going to go to heaven and you're going to kick streets of gold. I'm telling you when you come under him, they answer to that one. Because Colossians says that he, he is the originator of all things. Everything's created in him, through him, for him. And even the evil spirits were created by the, by the Father at one point before they became evil. And they answer to every word that he speaks. So if you give your life to him right now, those things won't touch you. And if they try, he'll come against them seven times stronger. Be the worst decision they've ever made. And I said that, took me two hours to say it with translation. (laughs) I finally got to a point, I was like, who wants to give their eyes to Jesus? Raise your hands or I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And we're going to believe that the power of God is going to touch you and change you forever. About 15 people raised their hands. I said, listen, I'm not asking you to just have some other God that you're joining in on the ancestral worship that you do in the Buddhism and the witchcraft. I'm asking you to give everything up to him. So the charms that are on your wrist, they must go. And I forgot my pocket knife that day. I take my pocket knife everywhere, except for today. I also forgot today. (laughs) I also forgot today. I am a liar. (laughs) No one had scissors in the village. Like, what are they going to use scissors for? Everybody, I mean, they have rusty cleavers they kill their chickens with, but they don't. They, I said, listen, just get rid, of, get rid of the charms. And they started chewing the charms off their wrists. Yeah. Even the kids started chewing the charms off their wrists, threw them down. And they, they all started giving their lives to Christ. And in that moment, normal people wouldn't have seen what I saw. But I saw a church birthed in a village that a church had not been birthed before. We didn't go in and build a building. We didn't go in with programs. We didn't go in with the ideologies. We went in with the Spirit of God and the gospel of Christ, and we preached it, and they responded, and the church was birthed. And you think that Holy Ghost boldness would have came on me, but I just got stupid, and I looked at the two that know how to read, who are believers, and I said, you're never alone. I'm not coming to encourage you ever again, which is a lie. <laughs> I said, you're in charge now. Read the Bible to those who just gave their lives to Christ. The church was birthed right now. Um, and I, why do I share that out of the thousands of things that we've seen in the past six months? Because this church helped us purchase the car that sent me to that village. Yeah. This church. And the key thing is, I didn't ask this church to buy my car. I met with pastor for coffee one day. I'm just talking like this, just going. And I haven't had coffee this morning yet. So imagine me at a coffee shop. <laughs> Just going off, and then one day, bing! I was like, he helped us pay for the car. There it is. And we got to go to places that we never would have gone to get, been able to go. On a moto, it would have taken four hours to get there. It took me 30 minutes in my car. 30 minutes in my car. I put our, our ministry team in there, and we went. It was phenomenal, crazy. But in September, we were in Africa for three weeks. Um, and while we were in Africa, we had concerning assumptions from a clinic about our youngest Carolina, um, about her digestive system. So in September, we had to come off the field temporarily and figure out what's going on with her because the medical system in Cambodia and in Africa are a joke. Um, We come home to find out that either um, the Lord healed her of what they thought she had, or there was a machine malfunction with the blood work. Um, So we come home and we've had a GI appointment. We tested for celiac, came back negative. We tested for Crohn's disease, came back negative. Tested for cancer, came Came back back negative. negative. Because that word knows not to come near me because I will burn the city down. That thing tried to touch us, and we decided I'm going to kick you in the forehead if you try to come anywhere near me or anywhere, a 10-mile radius of me. I'm kicking people in the forehead. Done. (laughs) So we come home to try to figure out things with Carolina. We had people praying and fasting and all these things. And, And then in the middle of that, we started hearing from the Lord. Because our team in Cambodia is 12 people. 
14 people now, still steadily growing. Not only Americans, but Cambodians are joining the team. Giving their lives to Jesus, being discipled, and then now becoming ministry partners, and now fully funded missionaries, and Cambodian churches are funding them to be missionaries in their villages. Makes no sense to me. No sense. It shouldn't be happening. And so we and our leadership in, in Overland decided, had conversations about, you know what? We've got this figured out with Carolina. Where are we going to go for the next five years? Because Cambodia obviously doesn't need us. But we have teams in other nations, teams and nations in, in Southeast Asia in two different countries that I can't even name the names. But one has three people in it now. Another has four people. So it makes sense to take one side of the football team and put them on the other side of the football team. And so we've said yes to a country um, that borders Cambodia. Um, that'll give you a little hint. Uh, I think four countries border Cambodia, something like that. Um, and so we've joined the team there, and we've, we've stepped back into a fundraising season that is coming quickly to its end. Um, and we are raising partners to make that happen so that we can launch in March. Um, we are looking at launching into, into this nation. <laughs> I tell Pastor, don't say it, but I'm the worst. I will say it. Um, I can't say it because of the live stream. If we cut, shut the live stream off, I can scream it at you. Um, joining this team, and we're thinking we're about to launch into that nation March 7th, so we can get there March 9th and be a part of a mass crusade that's happening March 30th and 31st. One, uh, th one of this size does not happen in the north of this nation. This is not a crusade country. Listen to me. It's a communist country. It's the opposite. So I wanted to share a little bit of what happened um, a month ago with our team who went up to the north of this nation and share what, what, we, saw, what we saw happen. Um, can you get my water? I got cotton mouth. <laughs> Our team has been in the, a major city of this nation since March of last year, coming on a year. From March until November, in the major city, we saw 175 people come to Christ through our ministry. Unreal. We don't normally see numbers like this in a closed nation. That happened. In December, our team took a week-long trip into the north, some mountainous villages, and preached for about five days, took, took the other two days to travel up and back. And in five days, they saw 200 people come to Christ from a major ethnic group, not just Vietnamese, people who don't even speak Vietnamese, of a different ethnic group. Let me, let me act like you're praying. I'm going to drink this. <laughs> so this is what they said in their newsletter, and I took some things out so you wouldn't know. Let us start off by saying this. Every single missionary we've talked to in this nation has all said the same thing about ministering in the north. If you go there, you will be arrested within days and banned from the country for preaching the gospel. Don't care. We do not know one missionary here who, goes in, who does any work in the north. As most are too fearful of what the consequences could be, we have learned early on to ignore what everyone else is saying because they simply aren't called to do what the Lord has told us to do. You have to do what God has given you the vision for and not let people's opinions dictate what is in your heart. We have the faith not to live in fear and to reach the most unreached people in this nation, no matter the cost. When I read that, I imaginally thought of the 10 spies who said there's, there's giants in the land. We look like grasshoppers compared to them, so they must see us as grasshoppers. But I'm saying, but there's grapes the size of my head and imagine the amount of wine we could create out of the grapes. I'm not even looking at the giants. I'm looking past them at what's been promised to us. Yeah. And that is the way, that's what we're doing when we go into this nation. We, we're going in with a word. So if the word protects me from the government, so be it. If the word doesn't protect me from the government, revival will break out in a prison. It will. It's the word of God. This is what he said also. God opened more doors than we knew were possible. We saw 200 salvations from a major ethnic group in one week and met many pastors who have thousands of people in their flocks. We are in a unique period of time where the government is not as strict as it was 30 years ago. 1996, the year I was born, someone in the village we preached in was murdered for their faith. 30 years ago, it was ridiculous to even go in and say anything about Jesus. You would die just to believe in Jesus. Now the government's slacking off. Thank you for the State Department for freedom of religion and, and deciding to go into these Asian countries and telling them to stop being so mean. We are in a unique period where the government is not as strict as it was 30 years ago, and many pastors are ready to do things they have never done before in order to see millions of people come to Christ. We have multiple crusades planned for this year, which is something we've never done. But the people are coming, so... You don't plan a crusade and hope people come. You, you plan a crusade because you've got 15,000 people in front of you you don't know what to do. 
And the Lord has given us strategies on how to accomplish them. This is the first time when multiple pastors want to have a crusade without the government's permission and without waiting on the denominations to approve. The first time in this nation. Even our ministry partners who have been ministering in these nations for 40 and 50 years. I mean, these are giants partnering with us, showing us how to do the thing. 40 and 50 years are saying that they have never seen anything like what is happening now. Praise God, the tide is turning in Southeast Asia, and we are ushering in the greatest revival that has ever happened in history. God is pouring out a spirit and moving in the nations like never before. Did I mention that our team launched 10 months ago? 10 months ago, and God's moving. So much so, we don't even know what to grab a hold on to. Thank God we know how to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> Which, Bailey passed that class with flying colors at... Um, Harley Davidson and I almost failed. <laughs> so all that to say, if you'd like to be a part of what we're doing, you want to hear more, and you want to know how to partner with what we're doing in Southeast Asia, we have this table over here in the back of the room where you can sh simply just share your contact info on our iPad, your name, your number, your email. I'll give you an end-of-year report. It looks like this. This is everything our teams have done in, the, in 17 unreached countries in 2022, including in Zambia where we had... Over 300 emperors and monarchs of Africa come to a UN-style meeting and talk about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> Two years ago, I worked for Amazon. So, <laughs> well, you never know what's behind your yes. Karen Wheaton says that. It's true. It's like, I'm going to drink my water. It's crazy. So I'm going to pray. And I haven't preached yet. I'm going to pray, and then Bailey's just going to rip, tater chip, rip it up. and Let her rip tater chip. <laughs> so let's pray, and then um, have your way, Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you for the moment that we're having right now. I thank you for the change that you're doing in the nations. I ask that right now, we don't want to spend this time just talking about what you're doing in the nations, but I ask that you move in this room. You do what you want to do in this nation, in this city, in this church, and on that street that we're 50 feet from. You have your will. You have your way. May your word go swiftly forth to everyone in this room. May our ears be anointed to hear exactly what you want to say. And may your spirit have its full and complete reign in Jesus' name. Amen. We do what we do because Jesus is worthy. The Moravian, the Moravian Falls, the prayer movement that happened, the biggest thing that came out of that was, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And that is why the call of going to the hardest and the darkest and the unreached is so strong on the inside of us because our core cries out, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering because he is worthy to receive it. In Revelation 7, 9, it says, after these things, I looked, and this is what I saw, a vast multitude, which no one could count, gathered from every nation and from all of the tribes and peoples and languages of the earth, standing before the throne and before the lamb, dressed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and in a loud voice they cried out saying, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne. This throne room in Revelation 7-9 is the reward that Jesus is worthy to receive. That's why. It's his reward for dying on the cross, becoming man, dying for us, being risen as us. And then that, in Revelation 7, 9, that throne room, that is his reward. And we, Zach and I, our organization, I guess, but we are so persuaded because of that throne room. Because we have looked in it. We have seen it. We have spent time in these nations where people are terrified to go. I mean, Cambodia may be open, but there's like 6,000 active landmines still happening where we lived. People are dying left and right because the government's too scared to go through and clean it up. From the Khmer Rouge that happened, what, 70 years ago? I mean, it's like, it doesn't make sense that we have such a tenacity and a persuasion, and I'm not here to pat myself on the back, but I've seen Jesus. I've looked at him. We're persuaded because he's worthy, because I've seen his goodness. I have looked into his eyes. I have heard his voice. And I know that there is no doubt in me to say, I'll do whatever it takes, because if it means my life, then I'm closer to Jesus in that throne room. I'm closer to him. I get to be with him there, closer beside him. In 2014, now, 
I grew up in a very Christian household. My family was on TBN. It, it's, I knew of Jesus, but in 2014 is when I locked eyes with him. When I was so confused and depressed and suicidal, I looked into the eyes of Jesus and in that exact moment, every single ounce of depression and anxiety left me. And from 2014 up until just 2022, last year when we were in September, there has been a hunger that has been placed on the inside of me to simply know more of Jesus. And it's me wanting to know more of him is what has sent me to the nations because that's where he is. He's here. And I'm not saying he isn't here. America needs him. My God, he need America. She needs him. But there are still 3.37 billion people who do not even know his name or that he exists. And that's the call that the Lord has given us is to go to those people. And in September, I was, we were at this, we were in Zambia, we were with our revival week that we do as an organization every year, and I encountered the Lord because I went so hungry. I was like, Lord, I need a touch from you because I want to know your Holy Spirit deeper. I want to know him. I want to walk with him. I want him to be my best friend. And I was so touched at the meeting that we had where all I could do down to who I was was say, Lord, wherever you send me, yes, I'll go. And it was a few days later is when we heard about Carolina. And it was, Lord, wherever you send me, yes, I'll go. Wherever you'll send me, yes, I'll go. I lay down my life. I give you my children. Wherever you send me, yes, I'll go. And then the first week of January this year, again, we were at a service at our, our conference that we hold. And Zachary and I, we were in the service and we were called out to be prayed for. And when I got up from that floor is when the word persuasion became my word for this year if you want me to be churchy that's the word is that we are so persuaded because I laid on that floor and I saw that throne room and I saw the people that our organization is touching that you guys are touching that you are touching that everyone in this room is touching and that people this village in Cambodia they're going to come up to you guys and they're going to say thank you for coming to my village and preaching the gospel to me and you're going to say I didn't go and you're like no but you sent the holders who then went to Cambodia and I am saved my children are saved my grandchildren are saved and no one else in our family lineage is going to hell because they believe in Buddhism but we stand and we believe with Jesus and we're in this throne room because of you it's you that do it it's not just us we're not superheroes we're not special we just have heard this call to go and you guys are hearing the call to send and it's a beautiful ebb and flow that we have working with the Lord because there, like I said, it astonishes me. When we met in 2014, there were 3.14 billion people who have never heard. Now there's 3.37 people, billion people who have never heard of Jesus, who have never heard of the man whose hair is white like wool, whose eyes are like fire, whose voice has the sound of many waters, whose robe is dipped in blood, and who is seated at the right hand of the Father. There are people who have never heard of him. Never. Like, I can't emphasize it enough because people in the States don't understand. We are, especially here in the South, where there's three churches on this road right here, door to door. And we drove by and I was like, one, two, three. Okay, cool. But... We, there's people out in these villages and these nations who are willing and ready to lose their life because they get a piece of the Bible and they look at it and it says, Jesus loves me. And that's all it is for them to say, I'll lay my life down for this man who loves me. Because in Muslim culture, love isn't even one word. There's many names listed out for Allah and love is not one of them. But our God, he is love and he is alive and he listens. And that is why. We are so persuaded for this man, for King Jesus, who is alive on the throne, just waiting for us. It says in Romans 15, I minister as a priest, the gospel of God, in order that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable to him, sanctified, made holy, and set apart for his purpose by the Holy Spirit accordingly. I set a goal to preach the gospel, not where Christ's name was already known, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. But instead, as it is written, they will hear. They who have no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard of him shall understand. Jesus is worthy to receive our offering of the Gentiles. Because every single day, 
we are building this beautiful offering for us is Southeast Asia. And we get to go and we get to look in the streets, we get to look at people and we're crafting this offering of souls of Southeast Asia, of souls. You're crafting one of Malden, these souls in Malden and in the Philippines. You're crafting this beautiful offering that when you get to the throne room, you say, Jesus, you are worthy to receive this offering. This is the one, this is the one, because like Paul, we have made it our aim to share to those who have never heard his name. And for those who have had no news of him, to see the eyes of fire that just evaporates sin, and death in the grave, to hear his voice that calls you out of darkness. And we are convinced and persuaded because Jesus is worthy and we refuse to let his life and death be in vain because he, his life was given to me and it saved me and it's worthy of my every being that given back to him and he's worthy of our entire yes. So if there's just one thing that I really wanna leave you guys with is to lock in with the eyes of Jesus, see that fire and allow him to persuade you to do whatever it takes. Thank you, Lord. Test, 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 test. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father, we, we love you and we thank you for that word and we say yes to you. We say yes to you, Jesus. Whatever you want to do in our lives, whatever you want to do, um, with our families, with our, our, our legacy in this generation. Whatever you want to do, we say yes to that. In your name, we pray. I have one thing I want to share. And then uh, I'm not here to talk about myself and, then, and, and promote what I'm doing. <laughs> not a narcissist. I'm here to see God move in your life. Because if the, the reason we had over 300 monarchs from Africa and emperors come into one room, the reason was we sat down as an organization and said, if we can get them into the presence of God, get them into the presence of God for just five seconds, everything change. Everything will change for the, the continent of Africa. And it has countries opening up to us. Imagine if I can get you into the presence that I know just for five seconds. Imagine what would happen with your life. There may be someone in here who delivers packages for Amazon. The Lord has your name, your number, and your address because he had mine. So I'll say this. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature. He is reborn and renewed by the Holy Ghost. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. But all these things are from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, making us acceptable to him and gave us this is key you think i'm special no you have the same bible i hope it says we have been entrusted gave us the ministry of reconciliation who those who are in christ those who can say when you open the cavity of christ and see the heartbeat your name is there if that's you if you literally can tell me that you are of christ and nothing can take you from his hand you have been given the ministry of reconciliation that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, but canceling them. And he has committed to us the message of, the re of reconciliation. The ministry and the message. You give your life to Christ. I'm sorry if someone didn't tell you it's responsibility. You've been given ministry and you've been given a message. Not so that you can go out and do all that you can and work your tail off and get into striving. But if it really gets on the inside of you, you can't help but emanate. And have this ooze out of you, the ministry and message of reconciliation. You could see people in Malden who have hollow eyes, who haven't seen the thing that you've seen. And you can't help but share it with them as an ambassador for Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us. Christ is on the throne right now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. Can you, are you telling me he came, he died, he rose again, he left and then gave me the responsibility to finish what he started? Yes. He has entrusted us with that ministry of reconciliation. Come on. Like Bailey, just beautifully shared. Because she has seen him, she can't help but share it every time she opens her mouth. And she can't help but share it with power on her lips. I've heard people share the gospel and there's no power with it. Why? 
Why is it that I can hear someone tell the ABCs of salvation, admit, believe, uh, confess at the front of a Walmart, and I don't see anybody bowing their knee to the Lord or being convicted of sin? Why is it that they can preach the same message that I preach, but there's no power? It's because they haven't been touched by the power that allows you to bring souls into the, in the kingdom. It's a call of God on each of our lives. But don't let me, don't stop right there. The call of God on your life is to be a minister and a messenger, an ambassador of reconciliation where you are now and in the nations. It's your job. It's your job. The only reason people like Bailey can open their mouth and power fill the room when they speak is because God's power has overcome her and she said yes. Before anyone in this room lays their lives down so that he may receive the reward of his suffering, we must receive him in full measure. Complete measure. I get to the point where the the old revivalist of, of the past would say, Lord, if you don't stop touching me, I will die. That's the point where nations come alive. That's the point. How am I going to take a nation, a city, or even a street corner for the kingdom if I haven't completely yielded myself to the king? Completely to the king. And allow his spirit to take over my life and quicken my mortal body. We must first yield to the touch of the Holy Ghost before we can see the move of the Holy Ghost in our lives and in our city and in the nations and in Southeast Asia. And I'll say this last thing. And then I want to pray for some people who are feeling the tug of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2 is a prime example. And all through Acts is a prime example. You see this pattern. A mighty physical touch from God to the hungry believers. Which resulted in a move of God through the believers to the masses. Power of the Holy Ghost hits the, the, the believers in Acts 2. The immediate result, 3,000 in the kingdom of God. 3,000 souls saved. Let this be your litmus test. For if I'm talking to you and you need a touch from God, ask yourself, can I honestly say, with a great cloud of witnesses looking before me, that can I say that I have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living on the inside of me? Don't listen to that and hear a VBS message. Hear that and say, Can I say the same spirit that raised Jesus violently from the dead, not only raised him, but that raised everyone in a 10-mile radius of him from the dead, has that same spirit touched me? Because if it has, nations will bow when your mouth opens. If you could boldly make that statement about the past, but you can't make it right now, It's time to ask the Lord for a mighty touch. If you cannot make that statement and say, you know what? I don't know what the darn you're talking about. I've never felt what what I see is, is literally burning in your eyes. I'm telling you, I didn't have coffee this morning. If you have, you don't know what I'm talking about? All he wants is a yes. Our team in Southeast Asia, the only reason that we're taking ground for the kingdom is not because we're young and we're wild, past 15 minutes could have told you that I'm young and my, I'm wild but that's not the reason we have government officials bowing to the name of Jesus and, and villages opening to us that's not the reason we're taking ground for the kingdom because we have been on the ground as he took every fiber of our being and lit it up with the Holy Ghost and fire it's the only reason only reason imagine what he'll do with your life if you just yield to the same spirit that violently raised Jesus from the dead Imagine, there's an old preacher at Azusa Street Revival. William Seymour said this, and I've been praying this, and this is a dangerous prayer. And I'm in a dangerous room because y'all just got off of a fast. Some of you are probably still fasting. All of you are still praying. Dangerous to pray this prayer in this room right now, but I'm doing it. Lord, dip me in the kerosene of your spirit. Set my heart ablaze that I may burn for you. That's the prayer that I want to pray in this room right now. So everyone li- everyone, just stand with me if you can. And I'm going to ask any ushers 
or pastors in the room who can assist me by just standing in, in, in the way. And as I line everyone up, whoever can stand behind them. But I, if I'm talking to you and you say, you know what, number one, I don't know this Jesus you're talking about, but I want to give my life to this Jesus you're talking about. If that is you and you're in this room and you don't even know the kingdom of peace, love, joy, and righteousness, if, you don't, if you've never touched that before and you want to give your life to Jesus today, I'm going to ask that a pastor or an elder stand over here and he or she will lead you to Jesus while I'm praying for everyone else. If you're in this room and you say, listen, I just want to touch from the Lord because I want to experience the quickening of a mortal body. I want to experience the fire of God. And I want to be used in Malden. I want to be used in the nations. And listen, once you say yes to that and the Lord touches you, all pride walks away. You realize every time I stand up here, I tell the Lord, I have nothing to give anyone except you. Teach me to get out of the way. It's a beautiful life to live. And once you get touched by him, that's the life that you, you are, are given. Because there is a throne room, Revelation 7, 9, of people and souls who are waiting to get in the room after you say yes to Jesus. So if that's you, and I'm talking to you, you want prayer from me, Bailey, or pastor, I want you to just simply line up in front of this, this stage, this altar, in a nice line here, and I'm going to pray for you. If you want to give your life to the Lord, never have before, pastor here is going to lead you in, in, in a prayer, lead you to the Lord. Just line up here nice, nice and neat. Everyone lift their hands in the room. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this missions day that didn't go how anyone in the room planned. We ask that your spirit move. We ask that you touch us, so not so that we can have a good time, but so that you can see that the sacrifice we've made for the past 21 days and that you would put fire to the altar. That you would put fire on the altar so that we can be ones who burn. Lord, dip me in the kerosene of your spirit. Set my heart ablaze that, it, that I may burn. That my heart may burn for you. That I might reach those who'd never heard the gospel, Jesus. So I'm going to let them sing and I'm just going to come over and I'm going to attach my faith to your hunger, and we're going to see God move in your life. Thank you again for listening to this message. We hope it's been a source of encouragement for you today. If you need prayer or a lot to support this ministry through giving, stop by faithrenewed.org.